and welcome to the first ever, the inaugural episode of the Wrexham Legends Lounge podcast in association with Hill Street Social, who we, uh, a venue we hope to be in very soon, as and when rules and regulations are lifted. Um, and what better way to get this new podcast off uh, running? This is going to be every week or every fortnight. We're going to have a, a new guest on there, a former player um, associated with the Wrexham Legends group. And it's Mr. Mark McGregor today. Uh, Maka, how are you doing? Uh, thanks for joining us for this. It's a big one. Yeah, I'm excited for to doing it. It's my first one I've ever done, to be honest. So a bit nervous, just like my first ever game, probably for Exxon. But, well, uh, that, that's that's still, that's loads to touch okay. on there with your first ever game. To be fair, um, I should probably say though the Wrexham Legends is a, a group put together by John P. D. Morris uh, and a bunch of old former, not old, of former players. Um, former you Wrexham players. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not too far off me, mate. I'll be honest. <laughs> I realise that. Um, yeah, put together by John Morris and a, and a group of former players uh, raising money for charities, local charities, playing local teams with friendlies. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to get back to playing some games uh, before the years out at least. Uh, and like I said, hopefully we'll be able to do this at some point in time in Hill Street Social with a pint uh, and an audience, yeah, which would be good. Uh, but for now, it's me and you uh, and the people, the masses out on the on the internet listening and, and watching online as and when this goes out. So 244 games for the town, 11 goals, I believe. That's that's what the internet's telling me. Um, I, I was there for a good few of those. But yeah. how did Mark McGregor end up uh, playing for Wrexham? Yeah, uh, really strange, to be honest. Uh, I was at crew for a little bit. Uh, going along down there and for some reason it just didn't fit with me right and um, there was a chance for me to come down to Rexford and play a few games and obviously I'm a Chester lad and the thought of going Rexham could have been a bit weird but I, for some reason it just went really well for ever since I went there when I was probably, I think I was 14 at the time yeah. uh, on the AstroTurf opposite the ground and Loved it, loved it that much that I just obviously stayed there and, <laughs> until I left eventually. But it was great. I, I mean, I liked it that much that I was cycling up from Chester all the way up to, to take training at Wrexham. So oh. it was like a, a good, what was it, 15 mile bike journey yeah. back in the day up here, uh, Grassford Hill, etc. So nice. uh, no, it was really, really good. Was, was there like, ever any chance at all at some point that if you go into Chester, I mean, like you said, you're a local Chester no, lad, you live in Chester. Absolutely That's... nothing. No, wow. no, no. And it did you really get any... Of course, sorry. Did you get any stick off any of your mates at all? Like when, obviously, signing for, I guess, the, the deadly rivals, as it were? Not as much the early years, but obviously 17, 18, 19, that's when it really kicked in, getting stick off the lads. Yeah. But uh, that's all part of it, and you, you take it in your stride. I liked it because it, it made you want to prove to them more that you was at a better team, if you if you want to say that way. Oh, that, I suppose that was a point when we were kind of to and fro in with both teams were kind of up and around the same division. I, I would drop it down and coming back up uh, in Chester's case. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's, I mean, what about the, the well, the, the Chester game, the FA Cup game, when Carl got his two and he won 2-0? Uh, how was that for you as a Chester lad? It was brilliant because uh, I had to come through Chester to meet the lads up at the post house roundabout. Yeah. So I was coming through all the traffic to try and get on the bus to come back all the way through back into Chester. Uh, but it was more me, I think, my family got more of the, the brunt than I did at the game, to be honest. Uh, and all my mates were in the crowd and obviously it was all standing back back then as well. It was, it was good, but uh, I can't visually or hearing anything that was uh, aimed at me back in the day. 
But my mum said she heard quite a lot towards <laughs> herself and my other parts of the family, etc. But it's uh, it's football, isn't it? That's yeah. you know everybody misses it now, and if it wasn't part of it that then, you know people wouldn't have got so up and they, they celebrate as they do, which yeah. is what's missing now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's still weird to watch. Just watch it on the TV, and there's no fans. And obviously, yeah. there was the the brief time where English clubs got fans back in the ground uh, at some point in the last year, but uh, the Welsh teams didn't. So it's like Wrexham still just play behind closed doors, home and away. Yeah. Um, hopefully, that's something changes on that front by the time of the next season. But um, I guess we'll see on that one. But it's going back and watching some old footage of of well the time when it was a time when I started going myself, uh, me and my mates to get the train from Buckley to go and watch Wrexham, and it's, it was kind of coincided, not too different. But at the time you broke into the first team, and just going back and watching the old footage and seeing the crowd reactions and the, the away reactions because that FA Cup run comes up the ninety six ninety seven and you there's the famous yeah. shot of this old fella at the end of the, the Birmingham game after Carl's yeah. goal goes in <laughs> and he's giving it this on on the fence. And it's it's absolutely brilliant to watch, but. Uh, how was it for you getting into the first team? Because I didn't realise it was like 18 you were when you made your debut and you went on to play, I think it was like 42 games in that season, which is a lot for somebody going into the team straight away at that age. Yeah, I think my debut was the last game of the, the season before. Right. Uh, it was Cambridge, we got beat 1-0. Uh, Carlo Corazon, I think, scored the goal for Cambridge. And that was, uh, I didn't really know I was playing until the, the Friday, possibly even the Saturday thinking about it back now. And uh, to obviously to play, you know, uh, in front of fans that big was a, an eye-opener, to say the least. But it just encouraged you to get more. And you go away through the summer and you think about it, you come back in and you're all fresh and you just really want to attack the season head on. Uh, I think it was a couple of games until I, I got... Because I think it was back, back in them days, there was only like two, three subs. Yeah, yeah, three. So it was difficult to even to break into the bench. And then I eventually got me, me chance. And uh, as I said, I was playing centre-half for the reserves and uh, et cetera back then. But I there was a chance at right-back. And then it was everything happened to there, to be fair. I didn't associate me as a right-back until I eventually went right back into Wrexham first team. See, I always thought it was the other way around, where I just... Because obviously, just seeing you playing right back for so many years, and then that that final season for us, you moved to centre half and got play of the season. Yeah. I, I just presume that that was I don't know, like a later on thing where like oh we, we need someone to cover in a, a, a centre half. Mac will do, and he's done a really good job. So that was like through youth football, through the junior football, that was where you were mainly playing centre back. Yeah, I was playing in Wrexham reserves up in uh, or probably younger than that uh, up at Lindisfarne, and we were uh, playing in the Welsh Cymru Alliance back in then. And I was always centre half, and and the uh, the reserves still playing centre half, and yeah, it was it was it was weird. I don't know, I can't remember the situation, but either Barry Jones or Darren Brace wasn't available, and I think it was Bournemouth, maybe Bournemouth away, maybe that I yeah. I come on at half time, and uh, right back, and that was pretty much set in stone. And then for the next like five six years, yeah. When did you like kind of? I guess almost get the confidence where that was your position. You felt like you were the first choice because like you said, there was Darren, there was Barry Jones was still around at times and he obviously he played centre-half at times and Darren had played left-back and there was, there was yeah. that, uh, you two were either side, you and Darren and Phil Hardy would be on the left. And yeah. So when did you kind of feel comfortable that like, if everybody's fit, I'm the first choice here at right-back? Uh, not till probably halfway through that season. Yeah. Like I played maybe 10 games and then I used to look at the programme thinking, oh, I've got, 
one, two, seven appearances, nine appearances, ten appearances. And I'm like, yeah, I want I want loads more of these appearances. I want to play every game, whether it be right back, which was a pretty much got a gist of, and I was loving it because you could attack because when I was playing for Blaken back in the Chester Youth Leagues, I was a striker. So it was different to be a defender. And then, yeah. so it was a, uh, I like playing right back because you could get forward as well. That was yeah. it. Uh, who would you say would be like the biggest influence on your career at that kind of young age? Because obviously uh, Brian Flynn was there as manager, Joey Jones, Ken Reeves was there as, as the assistant. Uh, who influenced you most, especially, I guess, when you were put in at right back? Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously don't forget Cliff as well. Cliff Sears. Oh, Cliff Sears, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as a YTS and everything else, he was brilliant for me, but it was always Joey. You know, you'd, you'd look to Joey and he would look at you and said, you know his eyes and his face expressions, you know, if you missed the tackle or you didn't, wasn't going in for the tackle, full-blooded, etc. That was the uh, the big one. And But Cliff, Cliff was brilliant for us and everybody would say the same about Cliff, but probably into the first team levels. It was all, it was always Joey for me because he was a defender and we always had a laughing joke about, you know, the strikers are always the best and we're yeah. just the hammer neggers and we were there to put our body on the line kind of thing. And that was, that was the best thing for me to be fair with Joey. Yeah. With, with Cliff Sear, cause he was one of those that was very much, I guess for me as a young fan going as a early teens, he was one that was kind of out the picture behind the scenes because you'd see Joey on the touchline and Kev Reeves, you'd have yeah. Flynn, he'd be up in the stands. And it was only when it was Cliff Sears' testimonial that I kind of really first heard about him. And I think it was Man City we played and Chris Armstrong came back and, and, and played for Wrexham. That's right, yeah. And it was just like, that's where it's like, oh, this guy must be quite important. So what role did, for people who maybe aren't aware of, of Cliff Sears, what role did he really play then for you? Well, for, for, the, for the, he, the kids coming through? yeah. He kept all the youngsters in check. You know what I mean. He was, he was always round and round the place, and everybody loved him. And you know, if you seen him about the place, you just, if you was trying to do something not appropriate at the football stage, <laughs> you'd stop what you was doing. Yeah, because that's how much he was uh, appreciated at that that level. Um, and you know, he'd drive the minibus and stuff like that. It was like, and just do everything for you. And but to keep it in check as well, which is which was great back in them because you could have went a bit out of line, but it was uh he was the one that you know that guided me in definitely in my early years before the first team. Yeah. Um and with Joey, when I was going back and watching some of the old stuff, there was I think it was I think it might have been the lead up to the Birmingham game. There was a, a TV package being put together and it was Joey smashing, I think it might be Phil Hardy, um, just in, in like a warm-up at, uh, in, in training, just going through him and then going like, there you go, there's a studs. Um, how many times has Joey gone through you over the years? Well, he always used to join in training. So yeah. it was uh, usually on the Fridays, young, the old, and nobody ever wanted to lose. Yeah. So it was pretty much uh, all hands to the pump and, trying to protect yourself because obviously you wanted to play the next day as well. <laughs> you didn't want to lose the five-a-side game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I remember the, the Joey Jones thing. It was practising block tackles. I mean, if you practice block tackles today, I don't think <laughs> any manager, I don't think, would be too happy with that, especially a couple of days before you play on the Saturday. But it was, it was one of them things because most of the team back then was old school, if you know, if you know what I mean by that. So there was a when the foreigners come like uh, ninety seven onwards, 
it started to change with Arsene Wenger, etc. But it was more of a old school, and it was like a lot of tackling. It was, pretty, <laughs> I liked it to be fair because you just because sometimes you could let out a bit of a fighting you yeah. if you was having a bad week in training, or you'd lost the match before and you wanted to try and get a bit of rile and you're ready for the game on Saturday. So it was it was good to be fair. I, I like that the way Joey went about that, them kind of things. Yeah, and it's like just from like speaking to a few of the old, old the former players over the years, like everybody loves Joey, and why not? Like fans love Joey. He was, I've heard it said by Liverpool fans over the years that he's he's that fan on the pitch. Um, yeah, and for <laughs> Wrexham fans, he was that fan on the pitch and a fan on the sideline on on, on the coaching staff. Um, and it's that that passion that made him the player he was, and clearly the uh, frigger was. It just seems like nobody ever has a bad word to say about Joey Jones. It's just he is Mister Wrexham. That's it. Yeah. Mm. He always will be, you know, in everybody's eye. And, you know, I hope just for this sake that we eventually get back into the Football League uh, because it will it'll spearhead that again and hopefully they can uh, get another a banner made up for him, etc. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully if the cop comes ahead uh, and gets the go-ahead for what I believe is coming, that would be uh, brilliant for it as well. Yeah, and what, what do you make of all the the well the takeover news? The the fact we've got these these new uh, Hollywood owners, Rob McKelney and, and Ryan Reynolds. Um, I, I guess obviously it's it's great to see, but like that would have been cool for you in your day, where you get you, you know that all the facilities getting done up. You can have this hopefully a nice ground to play in, which the racecourse is is mm-hmm. a beautiful ground. Period. But like, how would, do you think for like a player's mentality? How's that if to think of right? Not only we've got these new owners in, we've got this. Um, these new owners of such a high status worldwide that the club is in the global spotlight? I always see it as when we were in the spotlight for the FA Cup runs, etc. you know, some of the lads went on to Blue Peter, which was back in the day was <laughs> yeah. really good. Yeah. Uh, and we were selling players, but that helped us to buy Collier's Park. Yeah. Uh, and them training ground features and everything for a, a club like Rexham back in the day was marvellous and, you know, Brian Flynn always wanted something like that and he did brilliant to get it and I, I think it helped us on our way to do what we did after them. I know we didn't eventually get any promotion or win any cups apart from, obviously, the Welsh Cups and stuff, but to have a group of lads in all one place and you've got all the facilities in front of you, it was a, it was eye-opener for me because I never expected it because we were always turning up to the the ground and then going off to different variations of training grounds. But that was brilliant. And um, I was really impressed by how that come about, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I was, again, you know, mates were talking about this when they found out that this was happening and we were kind of reminiscing about those years you talk about in the FA Cup run. Um, and it was, it kind of got brought up like, weren't, weren't like a bunch of the lads on Blue Peter? And then I looked into it and it was, yeah, I think it was Joey, <laughs> uh, Brian Hughes, I think Tony, Tony Hughes, Humes. Yeah, yeah, and I think there was somebody yeah. else. Might have been Carl actually. Might have been Carl Conley. Um, yeah. Which is just like, and then the question is like, well, did they get a Blue Peter badge? I think that, that's what <laughs> people need to know. Which I, I guess I'll have to ask them on that one. Uh, it's, I've, I've, I'm almost sure I'm positive they did. To be fair, brilliant, I'm amazing. Sure. I, I think that's the least they get because I'm sure they give Tim Vincent a Wrexham shirt because he was a Wrexham fan. I think he still lives mm-hmm. in the area, so that seems like yeah. a fair trade off. Is a Wrexham shirt We're on TV? <laughs> give us some badges. Blue Peter badge. Yeah, uh, with um, with Flinny, one thing that always Brian Flynn, it was one thing that maybe I don't know. Some fans always found a bit bit strange to deal with was the fact that he was in the stand for, for so much of so many games how was that as a player I mean because obviously that's 
Flynn, he was all you knew at Wrexham as a manager, but th- was that just the norm for you or did that seem, I don't know, as long as it's working, it's working, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because you can only have so many people shouting instructions on you. Uh, you know, we, we've done all the prep and et cetera before the game. Uh, and obviously the higher viewpoint you've got, you'll be able to see other instructions that you can give us at half time. And, you know, you've got Joey and Kev down there and, you know, even Mel and Steve, the, the physios as well, they're all shouting things on at you. And they're all they're more of an ego and you're like, come on, you've got to do better, etc. But obviously Brian was upstairs trying to analyse where we could do better and which situation we could help better. So, you know, everybody's different. And uh, I respected that because I didn't see that because Joey would always be the, the vocal one anyway. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, and it was good. It was good because you're getting diff- three different viewpoints from other areas of the pitch. So, obviously, you had Joey as a defender, Kevin Stryker and Flynn midfielder. Yeah. So, you had three of the best worlds, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And I think with Flynn, it was only the fans only started to question it when results started to turn in his last year or so. And before that, it wasn't really... Uh, it was like, oh, yeah, there's Flynn in the stands, but it wasn't really brought up as a negative because... We were doing well. Um, yeah. we those, the two seasons, uh, what, 96, 97, 97, 98, where it was just off the playoffs. I think it was four mm-hmm. points off the first year. The second time was was goal difference. Uh, goal Fulham. difference, yeah. yeah. I think Fulham won the, won the playoffs that year um, mm-hmm. when they had all the money thrown at him. Um, and Kevin Keegan as manager, I think, I'd imagine. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. I, is it because to me, I look back though at those seasons now and they were, in my time watching Wrexham, they were some of the glory years, even though it maybe didn't seem at the time because it was just coming short. Is it hard as a player to appreciate at the time how well you'd done that season when it's, or is it just kind of outweighed by the disappointment of being so close but so far? I, uh, I think it was like 10 games to go, I think, then where we, we finally had a bit, bit of form and we just went on a really good run. And you're going into the last, like, three games and you're thinking, we've got a chance here, we've got a chance, and you go to, and then your last, your last game and you're like, I think it was Bristol Rovers who we needed to get ahead of. I think they beat us on goal difference in the end. I think it was I think Kevin Dearden, who signed us a couple of years later or whatever, uh, he was playing in goal for Brentford. And I think it was, like, 10 minutes after our game had finished that we didn't realise that we weren't going to be in the playoffs yeah. because what happened to their game? Because we did our job, I think, at South End, was it 3-1? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Uh, but they were 10 minutes over and we was like a bit up and down. <laughs> One of them scenarios where what's happening? Do we know what's happening? Uh, but yeah, it's, we really wanted it bad that season because of what we'd been through and, and what we'd done and... It was unfortunate because it would have been a great day out, obviously, playoffs, and then if you could get to Wembley, etc. Because I always think we missed the boat to try and do that at Wembley when we was in the uh, the Auto Shield Windshields uh, game. Yeah. It was Wigan for the two legs, and everybody wants to play at Wembley. And I thought that was our, my, well, one of my best chances to play at Wembley. Yeah. And uh, I think the beat was, was it 5 3 over two legs? in the the area final which it was back then which was a big disappointment for me but the playoffs was yeah it was a bit gutting that as well but not as gutting as obviously the quarter final 
Well, I, to me, I think the only thing that I could think of at the time that reminds me of that whole playoff situation was when Man City won the league for the first time and you you had the Man United players on the pitch, I think it was Sunderland, and they had about five or six minutes where they thought they'd won the league and they were waiting for the City yeah. results to come through and then you had yeah. Vega, Guerrero, when he smashed City yeah. against QPR. Mm-hmm. And it, that was that reminded me of the Wrexham bit where everybody kind of thought that that's it, the playoffs are boxed off, as it were, but... Uh, wasn't to be on that one, but uh, no. you, you mentioned the FA Cup quarterfinal, um, and that was that run. Uh, it's it was a mad run because of like how it started off, where we like just scraped through past Colwyn Bay over two legs that were both at the race, well, two legs over a replay that were both at the race course, and then it was. I'm sure the Scunthorpe game went to a replay, and Steve Morris scored when the yeah. keeper made an ass of it. But then it kind of got going at the West Ham game. There was uh, Peterborough with Rooster getting two and having his little dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Birmingham game, which is still one of my favourite old, well, probably is my favourite all-time Wrexham game. Um, yeah. And then obviously Chesterfield. Um, how was that to be like th- that run? Because I saw an interview with Brian Hughes from a very young Brian Hughes from back then, and he was uh, talking about how because the league form was a bit up and down at that point in time, but it just seemed to when yeah. it came to the, the FA Cup, it was just once things got going, once you got well, once we got past Colin Bay and Scunthorpe, things started going. Um, how was that just? going into those FA Cup games compared to the league games? Because it what it did seem like there was obviously not a different mentality, but just things seemed to click more for the, the Cup games. Well, once again, I was like, everybody watches the FA Cup growing up and you just want to do the best. I wasn't really involved in the first couple of games, Colin Bay games, etc. The, the ones we struggled yeah. in. I like that. Wasn't involved in them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I was more got into it. And then obviously we played the West Ham and, in the snow and... Yeah. What it was with that one, it, I think it kind of helped us in a way because we were uh, we we drew West Ham and then we went up to their place to play the replay and it was called off because of the fog, and then literally all the fans were getting there and we were had arrived and then the fans bus didn't even make it because they got told it was called off so they had to turn around and come home and we didn't even play. Yeah. So we ended up playing in the uh, the fourth round where it should have been the fourth round game, and then we. Literally, because we beat West Ham then, and then we just literally bounced into the the Peterborough game, which uh, really helped us, I think, because you got a bit of momentum about you. And then, because we were still playing catch up, it, we kind of bounced into the Birmingham game. Yeah. So I think it was all like uh, like a World Cup kind of thing or a Euros, where you you win one, you win, you win. I think it was kind of they were all quite close together, and that's what helped us really like get the momentum to raise yourself for a, a really big game to yeah. get obviously further and further through. Well, with that West Ham one, again, that's one of my um, most enjoyable games to go to just because of the, the, I guess the uniqueness of it, the one in the snow, the home game with the orange ball. And it was just yeah. like a, a mad game to watch. Like that game would never go ahead like these days at all. No, not, uh, not, no. But what was it like after the game as a player, as a Wrexham player, when uh, like Harry Rennett comes out and I think it was, well, we'll beat him on grass next time sort of thing, being a bit of a bit yeah. an arse about it. How, how did mm. that get taken in the dressing room? But I think we were more enjoying it that we were, just sliding around in the snow as, <laughs> as youngsters kind of thing. And we were letting letting ourselves go because we didn't really thought, oh, what we did think was, you know, oh, brilliant. We're going to go and play at a Premier League ground here now. That was the, that was my first thought that came into my head. Going to go to West Ham, play in a Premier League ground and, you know, anything could happen. Uh, I didn't really take too much notice of the, uh, the after what the, you know, 
West Ham had said or anything, to be honest. Uh, other, you know, the older players might have done, but me yeah. as a, a youngster, I was like more of, oh, we just drew against West Ham here. Really, yeah. going to play him, you know, <laughs> at a Premier League ground. It was more when we played the replay and we did beat him eventually. I think he got, I think he got sacked after the game or just yeah. or the next day. Uh, but all the fans outside, we were trying to get the bus out and they were all standing there shouting for his name. And that was my first kind of insight of what fans could be to get after, obviously, a manager or a, a player if the team wasn't doing very well, which was, especially West Ham, obviously, London is down there. It was uh, it was a bit frightening at some stage because I think the windows did get attacked a little bit, maybe. <laughs> it was, it was a, a weird atmosphere because it was... The, the West Ham fans, I'm sure they got on the pitch at one point and they kind of uh, come up to more or less the halfway line. Back up. Uh, yeah, and then they then they were basically applauding the Wrexham fans. So it's like, obviously they're clearly pissed off, but they were appreciating yeah. the, the Wrexham fans that made the trip. The fact that this that the smaller club had kind of overcome the, the, the Premier League team. and But it was mm-hmm. just like so much hate in the game, but all directed at Harry Redknapp and the board. And yeah, yeah like I said, I, I don't think, think he lost his Possibly most of the fans were wanting them to get beat so they yeah. could get a uh, new manager, which is a shame for Ali because he's a great fella, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, he went on to do do all right for himself still. Um, even now, he still gets linked with half of the jobs that go available. Definitely, so yeah. I, I ran up as Sam Allardyce. Um, they're in for it. But the, to to kind of jump over the the, the Peterborough game because that was that was a great one. But that was on I think it was a Tuesday night. Obviously, it was away. Um, yeah. I've been a kid. I couldn't get to that one. But um, yeah, the the Birmingham one on on the weekend, which just a quick one on the Peterborough game. Yeah, I think. yeah. Uh, my mum uh, went to that game and I think there was a small fire in the section of the stadium, I think there was. And uh, this is what my mum's always said and the, the missus and, uh, and somehow they put it out and it was uh, in the far end of the ground in one of the corners. And uh, I don't know if anybody else can clarify that. But, well, uh, uh, yeah, Somehow we'll they put that. it out and, and we carried on, but I don't think that would even happen these days, to be honest, no. would they? Well, if, if anyone knows about that, pop it in the little comments underneath this video or just yeah. cr- crack it onto Twitter with a. Uh, just want to make sure my mum's not lying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've held on to this for like 20 years. Like, actually, yeah, I don't trust her on this one. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, it's like almost gets glossed over that game as I just did there because it was, it was a wave on a Tuesday. Obviously, it wasn't on the TV. So for a lot of Wrexham fans, especially the younger ones, it was just, you see the goals on TV. Um, you see Kev Russell get two and he has his little moonwalk down the touchline. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's like, well, what's next? And it was Birmingham, which is, I don't know, they were this highly thought of what would be now the championship, the first division side. Anders Limpar in the team, Steve Bruce, uh, Ian Bennett in Nets, Paul Devlin. Uh, I think Gary uh, Gary Ablett was there as well at the time. They're just like this team of quality players for that level, yeah, yeah. on our level. Um, mm-hmm. But we uh, we bossed that game, I thought. Even, obviously, they had Paul Devlin sent off. They had 10 men. But I, I just thought that was one of the most... Um, compose Wrexham get well Wrexham performances as a team. Um and yeah. especially against this this well I guess we'd be the underdogs in that one. How was that to be a part of? And like how was it just it seemed like there was a calmness about the team, but also a bit of bite because it was it was a feisty game. Yeah, it was, but uh it was I think it was uh February, it was the day before my birthday, I'll never forget it, to be fair, because uh we never as you said, we never feel threatened. I know Steve Bruce scored, etc. And well yeah. We was there. The whole thing about it, I think, I'm not sure what was maybe their manager again, but it it felt like we were all always going to win the game. Regardless, because when you see 
uh, you're playing and you've got all them fans behind the goal, as you said, when uh, where most of the goals were scored. It was uh, it was just brilliant to watch because as me as a defender, I can see all the attackers going forward. And you was thinking, oh, we're going to score here, we're going to score here, we're going to score here. And eventually they come and they still come. And it's like, we didn't, yeah, as I said, even in the, the latter stages, I know Carl scored, I think, was it injury time? Or yeah, right, right at the end, yeah, just yeah. Brian Carey with a it big hoof. And, we, yeah. weren't, we weren't hanging on. It was like, you know, we was they were chucking stuff at us, but it was like, it was never like hitting crossbars or, oh, that was close kind of thing. We was quite, as you said, quite composed. And it was the feeling when the, obviously when Carl trickled it in. Yeah. He'll probably, you'll like me for saying that. Uh, it was it was brilliant because you knew, like, quarter final FA Cup, bloody hell, we're getting close here. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the celebrations after it. And as I said, it was my birthday the next day. So it was, it was a good weekend for me, to be fair. Yeah. Really good. It's it was probably like probably his most well one of his least glamorous goals because Carl Carl scored the odd screamer now and again but it was like it just I think I speak for a lot of Wrexham fans that's one of the the greatest goals in our history just and it was yeah. just the fact that when Carl kind of toe pokes it to be fair past Ian Bennett and he's like on his heels like rocking waiting for it to go in like come on mm-hmm. please please and all the fans were doing the exact same thing it was just. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what a time to be alive. Um, well, Carl went past the centre half. I think it was Michael Johnson, was it maybe? Yeah, that's it. That was it. But yeah. it, I think he had an hamstring injury a minute. So if Carl ever tells you like he sped past him, I don't think that was the case. <laughs> he was injured and he got yeah. through. And as he said, it was going wide at first, I think, and then it yeah. somehow it had a couple of divots and just bobbled in, which is brilliant for us. It was amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's the worst goal ever against the crock of a centre half. That's what we're going with. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so that took it, hit a divot and went in. All right, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll let him know that one. We'll go with that one. Yeah, but uh, like Tony Humes' header in that game, though, was just, I, I have no idea how he got that in. Um, the way he launched the head back and, yeah, just flicked it around. It was, yeah, brilliant. But it was uh, Wardy's delivery, obviously, yes. as well. Yeah, it's like they were always like on point, to be fair to him. Yeah, even now, like when people talk about the the all time kind of Wrexham great 11s, which by the way, we'll get to Mark McGregor's all time Wrexham greatest 11. Uh, shortly. Difficult, yeah, difficult. <laughs> uh, but um, Wardy's one that always seems to be in and around with Wrexham fans just because it it was he wasn't here for the, a massively long time, but it was just the yeah. the quality he had when he was here. Um, just yeah. the deliveries on every on free kicks on set pieces, just his passing in general, just mm. like a joy to watch. Well, yeah, he was he was quite uh hard with me to be fair which was a good thing because yeah. he was saying a fullback should be one of the best passers in the club and I, I, I try to be a better passer but and you know you try to learn off the the old brigade because they've been through it and they know everything about them uh, but yeah Wardy was he was brilliant the way he did went about everything this training and etc uh, and as I said his, his free kicks deliveries and his passing was, was second to none yeah yeah, and that, that Birmingham game, it's, it seemed to be that was the game that got Brian Hughes' move to Birmingham, but obviously it come after we got knocked out of the FA Cup. Um, yeah. When did you think that with Yozza, because again, just such a quality player, that team was full of great players. Um, but when did you kind of realise as players that like Yozza's going here sort of thing, he's, he's going to make the move and it will be to Birmingham um, at that higher yeah, level I think and he's going to play Premier League? Yeah, I think it was a couple of games after where I think... Trevor Francis maybe come and watch the game. Uh, he did a couple of jinks and then he chipped the keeper from 20 yards. I can't remember who it was against at home. Uh, 
Scunthorpe, somebody like that. But uh, you, you knew then that he wouldn't be alone. He would, uh, he would go on and then go on again. Because technically, in his ability to run with the ball and break free and just be in the right place at the right time in the goal area, as that FA Cup run proved. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we didn't want to lose him, but obviously, I'm I'm happy for that. Like, he, yeah. <laughs> he was a uh, he he where he ended up. That's where he deserved to be. Yeah, well, I think he played like in the end. It was probably a good three or four years in the Premier League with, yeah. with Birmingham, mm-hmm. and then with Charlton. It might even have been five years, yeah. and he didn't look out of place there. Um, so, no. and what was it? One point three, one point four million, whatever it was, which is a lot of money. Um, a lot mm. of money then. But the, I, I mean, if we talk about the FA Cup run, we have to talk about Chesterfield, um, which was like so, it was so disappointing initially to have got that far and then to go out against a team that were basically our sort of level to go to, to beat the bigger teams and then to go out against them but to get to an FA Cup quarter final to have taken out the teams we've taken out which is such a massive achievement but like how hard was that to swallow and when did you start to appreciate of like how far you'd actually got though never not now to be honest because no. you, you wanted to go further uh, I've the draw was terrible you know I wanted a, another Premier League club you had Chelsea's in there and Middlesbrough and you know you just didn't want that was the one place I didn't want to go to be honest uh, I would have preferred to went away to Chelsea yeah. and got knocked out that way but to go away to Chesterfield obviously they you know probably on the day they did actually probably deserve to win which was you know disappointing but the draw was terrible for us and I didn't, I didn't like the the way it was set up for us. Like it was half eleven kickoff. It was terrible. You know, we'd never been used to like anything like that before. So you're having your your, your pre match meal at like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Which is and like how you you're supposed to stomach like chicken or eggs or anything that that early, getting ready for a football game. I know you'd have your eggs on a Sunday morning about that time, but not in preparation for a, a football game and. We were out the FA Cup at like half one on a, on a Sunday morning. It's like, oh, just it just didn't sit right with me to be honest. It was like, you know, I know now you you play all for the the TV etc. But I would have preferred three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. You know, proper FA Cup quarter final. I, I thought we would have more chance of going through that way. But you know, they had to do the same thing. It was. That's what sticks in my head. To be fair, just the, the half eleven kickoff was yeah. terrible. Um, what was not to be all down and gloomy, but what was more disappointing that the FA Cup quarter final or the missing out on the playoffs on goal difference? FA Cup quarter final for me personally, because growing up, you watch the FA Cup. You don't necessarily watch uh, lower league levels. You watch the Premier League, and you don't associate with the playoffs until you're actually involved with it. But for me, it was the uh, it was the quarterfinal because you want all the headlines, don't you? <laughs> you don't get so much headlines if you get into the playoffs. You might get the headlines if you win the playoffs, but not so much if you you know just creep into the playoffs. But the FA Cup was brilliant. Yeah. Even the couple of years after, we still had you know good runs and yeah, probably yeah. could have went further in a couple of them as well. The Wimbledon game and. Uh, I think it was the Rotherham at home. Was, uh, 
after we beat Middlesbrough, I think that was a bit disappointing as well. Yeah, the Wimbledon was, I remember just being the really weird final whistle at the Wimbledon one where I think they took a corner and scored off it, but the referee yeah. blew his whistle like, like well, while the ball was in the air. Thinking, really <laughs> fair. I'll take it. Yeah. I, but I got, to be fair, that's one of the only Man of the Matches I've probably got during my career. Really? <laughs> so I've still got the bottle downstairs. Uh, yeah. I've got the, the for the nil-nil draw at, at Wimbledon, yeah, but obviously if, if they allowed that goal, I probably wouldn't have got it. So. <laughs> it's all about that clean sheet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this was like a time though for Wrexham where we were, we had like some Welsh internationals. Um, if they weren't like internationals, they were there, thereabouts in the squad or on standby. Like mm-hmm. Andy Marriott obviously got a couple of caps. Uh, yeah. Stevie Watkin was in and around. Like there was, there was like Steve Watkin, there was Wayne Phillips, Gareth Rowan, Darren Brace, uh, Lee Jones when he was back on loan at, at times, who were kind of in the squad or on standby at mm-hmm. times. Was... I mean, I don't know the, the the heritage of yourself, but was there ever any chance of of you being eligible for Wales? This is at a time when like Vinnie Jones was playing for Wales because his nan went to. Rome. No, that's right. Yeah, no. Uh, Brian made us, us check. To be fair, Brian Flynn, he made us check all our backgrounds, etc. Uh, but for me, no, there was there was nothing ever that was gonna probably go down that route uh, due to me heritage. But uh, to be fair, Joey knows that. Um, I am quite English, but <laughs> but uh, there was a uh, no. To be fair, there, there wasn't even nothing. I know Vinny got in some yeah. way, but uh, there was nothing, <laughs> nothing I could have done anyway. Yeah. I'm sure I remember in the story that, that Flynn had a word with Carl as well. I try to get Carl Conley to play for Wales, like just try to find yeah. out if there's any any way possible. Like, yeah, is there anyone in the family? Um, mm. Just to. Uh, before we move away from Wrexham, because there was a career after Wrexham, but one player that is like this kind of cult favourite of so many fans, but he, I think he only played like 13 games, but had such a massive impact. Mark Wilson. Um, how, how was it when he came in? Because it came in from Man United on loan. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, the story is that we got offered him for 100 grand and Flea said, no, we'll take him on loan. Then tried to sign him and, and we were quoted a million. So I don't know if that's true, but, but how was he when he came in? Because he just seemed to that 97-98 season have a massive impact on the team with, I think, seven goals in his 13 games, 14 games yeah, yeah. from midfield. I think it was more a, uh, the replacement for Yosa, to be fair. Yeah. It was like he had the, the feet, uh, the ability to glide past players and I think his, uh, maybe his best game was against Burnley, maybe. Uh, I think he scored a goal. Uh, but when he come in, he, he did lift the lads because you think, oh, player from Man United here, we're going to have to yeah. kind of raise our game kind of thing. So, uh, you know, who's watching him when they're coming to watch Mark, if you know what I mean? Yeah. So, he did raise your game, but it, no, he was a, a, you know, he was a good lad as well, to be fair. He's, he was good, you know, he wasn't thinking, oh, I'm too good for this level kind of thing. He, he was honest and decent. I think the Repsman fans did like him quite a lot, yeah, to be yeah. fair. Because, as you said, he scored goals and he created a lot as well. And, it was a, a good impact at the time when we, we needed it. Yeah. yeah. It, it seemed like years later, there was, uh, after your time there, was Scott Green came in and did a, a similar job in, in the promotion year that we had where he mm. came in and just gave that extra boost just to kind of yeah. get it over the line. And it seems like Mark Wilson... Lift the levels, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. It was kind of in yeah. that same mould. Obviously, two players at different ends of their careers. So I think Scott Green was maybe 34 when he came in, whereas Mark mm. Wilson was, what, 21, 20, whatever he, he would be. Yeah. Um, but you, you talk about the, the people coming to watch Mark Wilson play or whoever. Um, what was there? Obviously, you go to Burnley in well the end of the 2000-2001 season. 
Was there any like solid interest before that from other clubs that you were aware of of people coming to watch you and or maybe making an inquiry or even a cheeky offer? Not really. I I never got told that by any of obviously the Wrexham managers uh, or anything like that. To be honest, I was just yeah. you know coming in every week, playing as well as I could, and that was basically it. And because I was really enjoying the time there, because it was in that last the la- my last season, I think. Uh, I, I virtually played every single league game, uh, so they, they were really good days for me. Because uh, all you want to do as a footballer is play every game you can. Yeah, I know it's a bit different now with the, the squad rotation, but if you weren't in that starting eleven back in you know ninety seven, ninety eight, you was thinking, "Yeah, I just want a chance. I want a chance here. I want to get on the pitch. I want to do what I'm here to do." So. No, but uh, I didn't hear nothing, though, to be fair. Uh, snippets in the paper, but you don't really, obviously, look at them, even though they're in the scrapbook. <laughs> but uh, you don't you don't really concentrate on one that much, to be honest. Yeah, um, but it was, I was a time when there was, like, you talk about how it was so important to be in the first team, which it always is in football, but, like, just the, the like the strength and depth we had then. Like when talked before about right back, there was yourself, there was Barry Jones. I think he left by then, but Darren Brace on the left yeah. side. You had Darren and Philardi. You'd have like your, yeah. your Brian Carey, Tony Humes, Dave Riddler coming think, in. Yeah, Aaron. it was like uh, and Lee Roach come in and uh, yeah. Dennis yeah. Lawrence, and there was uh, you know loads of people who was coming in to try and you know lift the levels of the team, and you had to try and stick with them and get better yourself. Yeah, uh, so it's really you know, digging in at that point to try and be a part of the team because obviously the manager always wants to progress. So it was, you know, important that you kept yourselves high high levels as possible. Yeah. With with the, the manager of Brian Flynn and tying it into the when you when you left to go to Burnley, looking into it again this week, it was it was kind of refreshing to see that it was very much obviously he was disappointed that you left, but it was very much wishing you well, um, saying you deserve to play at the higher level, which Burnley were at that point, and um, yeah, wishing you all the best in in with future success and and all that. Now, how was it to leave? Was was it because it was. A little bit controversial at the time, where the, the story is that there'd been a, a three-year deal agreed in principle to renew and stay at, at Wrexham. Um, yeah. And then there was Burnley and another mystery club, who I don't think has ever been revealed to this day, who supposedly came in. Um, but how, how was that from your point of view, that the, well, thinking you were going to stay at Wrexham, and then in, in, I guess, agreeing to this renewal, but then this other club coming in for you and how hard a decision it was to to leave? It was really difficult, you know, really difficult because, uh, as I said, I was having probably my best uh, year at the club, you know, playing every game, you know, moving into centre-half, really enjoying the uh, the new position to try and, you know, especially work alongside other central defenders that helped me brilliantly, Brian Carey, obviously, uh, etc. Uh, and, you know... I was enjoying it, you know, I was local to home, etc. Uh, but it, it does come a point where you think, you know, is there a time where maybe I can push myself and go another level? Uh, obviously, the interest from Burnley did come in, championship club, and I don't know whether it was because was I scored the goal that got him promoted that year to yeah. beat Gillingham. I don't know whether it was something in the back of my mind or... I'm not... You know what, to this day, I, I still don't know. But 
it it took me a long time to decide. To be fair, a very long time. Yeah, and uh, yeah. How close to the end of your contract did you first get offered something solid from Wrexham? Though was it late on, or was it offered early? I'm just thinking from that side of things. Yeah, it was, uh, it was around. I think it was around February, March time. Uh, the offer was put in place, and as I said, it was it was a good offer. I had no problems with the offer. Uh, the only thing I wanted then is probably to do the deal right there and then. And I think the club had hold it out till the end of the season. Right. Uh, so I was a bit in unsure. You know, I, if I got injured, yeah, would they take the offer away from me? Which they easily could have done. But you know, it, it's it's hard to go back and if so, buts and everything. It's like, but you know, <laughs> I love my time at Wrexham. It was it was brilliant. And as I said, I've been back numerous times and always like it. And, you know, I want to go back in the future as well. Yeah. Well, we'll Wrexham some legends one day. <laughs> well, I, yeah, that's it. Hopefully we can get the, not only get a game going at some legends again at some point, but maybe who knows we can get on the race course, get another run out there for you. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, with the, the Burnley thing, I have to ask with one thing with being at Burnley, because you were at Burnley at the same time as Gaza, um, which... Mm. Is is just mad to think about. But how like, have you got any any Gaza stories in particular, or much interaction with him? Because this is like one of the all time great characters of the game. Love him or hate him, uh, everybody has an opinion on Gaza. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I thought I'd done it all because I'm an Everton fan, and when Russia joined uh, Wrexham, I was like, this this guy scores million and million goals against Everton. And like, I'm playing with him now. <laughs> he was like, he was like one of the people who you grew up watched because Gary Lineker was my hero. But Rushy always outscored Gary Lineker in the FA Cup finals, etc. And then, uh, obviously, I did say uh, Gaza was brilliant. Obviously, playing for England, etc. And then when he turns up at the training ground, you think, oh, oh God, that's brilliant. This this is brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was lost the first the first day he'd been there. No, he, he brings the pot of tea and everything, and while Stan's just about to to know introduce us at all, as guys like, and he put all like farting powder in the in the big cooking brew. And, you know, Glenn Little probably tell you the same story if you ever speak to him. And he's like, he's put oh, and then he he's got Jimmy Five Bellies in the shower area and stuff. It's rare, unbelievable. And he's pot he's pouring the tea out for everywhere, and then he runs off. Oh, by the way, I've pulled all. Farting powder in your in your cups of tea, like, and then it just shoots off like ready for training kind of thing. It's like, but that was your first insight, and then yeah, just seeing him about the place and the quality he had was brilliant. Just even to to being around the, the guy. Yeah, um, you mentioned Glenn Little there. He go on to become this again, like a kind of cult figure for Wrexham fans in, in later years. Um, just to watch to watch as a Wrexham fan, he was just just a such a level above the level we were playing at, which is the National League, the conference. Uh, and it was just, we got him when, sadly, he couldn't play every game. He couldn't he'd play halves here and there because mm. he was getting on his body, he was breaking down a little bit. How was Glenn to play with, though? Brilliant. Brilliant. Obviously, everybody knows his character, but he's, uh, the the player was brilliant. I, I think we were playing one guy, I can't remember it was against, maybe Redding, somebody like that. But I think Sven Gordon Edson, who was then the England manager, even come, to the game, or it was rumored to come to the game, to watch, to watch, to see if he had the credibility to even like to come up to see if he could get into the England squad. So even that, just around you know the 
that tells you what kind of a player he was. Uh, he had everything. He could do everything. Um, I think you've probably would have seen the, the non-league goal that he scored when he takes up all the team and then chips the keeper. Yeah, uh, that's what he that's what he could do week in week out. To be fair, but mainly on the right, providing for crosses for Gareth Taylor. It's another Wrexham yeah. player. Yeah, uh, something similar to that. So, but yeah, uh, quality. He, he was probably him and Robbie Blake were probably the best players at Burnley at that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot they got Robbie Blake off. What was it, Bradford? I guess he would have gone from. Was it or did he go from? Uh, I think we signed, uh, maybe Forest. We got him, maybe got from Forest. Yeah. Uh, Brad, yeah, but uh, another I would say quality. The ball at his feet, he could he could do everything like as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, just a few uh, quick questions to wrap things up uh, with. Uh, one that's came in on Twitter actually from the Fearless and Devotion podcast. We had a good debate about Wrexham's greatest ever uh, right backs actually a couple of weeks ago, and you were very much in the conversation. Just pipped by Carlos Edwards, but to me, Carlos Edwards. I don't know. I'm not saying he's a right back. It's right wing back at a push winger. Uh, yeah, definitely a winger, right wing back. But I mean, Carlos, he probably he could play right back probably, and because uh, of his energy levels and his yeah. quickness, he'd be probably a bit like uh, Trent now at Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. You, if you were playing him as a right back, I, I'm sure he, that, yeah. he finished off with Millwall playing right back. I think as captain when he he moved back a little bit down the pitch. Mm. I think with Carlos, if I probably put him in nets and he'd still be good. Just. Yeah. On his day, he just he'd do whatever he wanted yeah. in the best possible the, way. The smile would uh, get him through most games, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and just, God, such a fun player to watch. But yeah, the, the questions come in from Fearless and Devotion on, on Twitter is, I'm sure it's something you're going to enjoy, is they just want to walk through of that Gillingham goal that you mentioned earlier. Like, what was, was it, I was watching it today, I can't make out who passes the ball to you. Just, just nicely rotated and moved along. I was thinking, is it Gaz Owen? Yeah, I think it was Darren Ferguson, I think. All right. Uh, looking back, yeah. Uh, I think it was Darren Ferguson. Uh, and to be fair, my me, me first touch was was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was stuck under my feet because it was a it was a sunny day. It was a, obviously the uh, last game of the season and it was stuck under my feet and I was like, there's crowds there and everything. So I just took another touch and I was like, I didn't really see anything on. So I was just like, because I hadn't scored all season, I thought, oh, what the hell? And... I don't know where it come from, to be fair. I wasn't expecting to score. I was, I was trying to hit the target. Uh, and, yeah, I turned around because a couple of my mates were in the crowd and I ran over to them. And uh, I didn't realise how far it was until I watched it back the next day. Uh, I think Soccer AM, Soccer AM had it on, like, uh, I think they had a feature back in uh, Better Than Pele. And uh, I think she got my name wrong and all my lads, absolutely, <laughs> my mates, like, whipped me for it. But uh, I thought it was just outside the eight-yard box, but it, I, I still say it was like 35 yards even. I don't know how far it was, but it was... Uh, no, I loved the goal because that was, as I said, my first goal uh, that season, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the consensus amongst Rexham fans is it's 35 yards, but if that yeah. helps, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it might just be one of those of like, in your head when you're there. It's like, I'm, I'm sure, I swear I saw Dave Brammer score from like the halfway line once, but if I saw it back, <laughs> it's probably yeah. about the edge of the box. But I, I'm mm. stick with 35 on that one. Uh, like after you, you went from Wrexham to Burnley to what, Blackpool, Port Vale, and then was it player manager at, well, it's, it's really Nomads, but Gap Ski at that point it was. Oh, um, yeah, I did a year at Altrincham first, and then that was it. Went yeah. to yeah, Gap Connors Key, yeah, as player uh, manager for five years, yeah. Yeah, how was it? Because you won the Cymru Alliance twice, technically back to back, wasn't it? Because that's when the the Welsh Premier League wouldn't let them back, wouldn't let you up after the got, first 
title. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but what was uh, how was how do you find the whole management? Because you did there was Runcorn as well. Um, and like, is that something you're looking to get back into? If, if, are you doing any coaching at the moment? Is this something that you're eager to to crack on with? Yeah, again? I mean, I've done most of my coaching, but uh, at the minute, I'm I'm not. I'm just enjoying my time away and looking and just watching. To be honest, because uh, at Connors Key we uh, we had a great setup. Uh, I'm sold quite. You know, we sold a few players. Reece Ely being one, we sold him to Cardiff. Uh, obviously, Wrexham fans and like that, but you know, we and he went on to MK Dons and now he's playing uh, in France as well. And we sold him as like 19 year old. Um, we had him in the team from 16 uh, with Jay Catton. He was he was brilliant uh, for me at Connors Key. And you know, we enjoyed doing that kind of thing to help the youngsters try and move on and, and you know, get far. Uh, so I loved that kind of stuff, but at the minute, I'm just Watching and seeing where can and can't do, and you know maybe in the future I might. You know it's uh it's hard to describe. You know you need the uh, get the rhythm back in if you know what I mean, and you know really want to take it to the next step. But it's difficult because there's so many people out there who, who want to do the same thing. Yeah, um, and to go back to to Wrexham and just run through some quick things is there. Is there one player or a couple of players that come to mind where you think, like, ah, I wish I would have played with them while I was at Wrexham? Uh, I mean, the, the only one springs to mind would be Joey. Uh, yeah. If I could play in, you know, he, he played in a couple of reserves games for me, but, you know, play out there on the pitch in front of the front of the cop with Joey, you know, say by your side playing centre-half, I, I would have loved that, to be honest. You know, just the, the get up and go and, trying to like over my dead body they will not score yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Joe would be the top one uh, definitely Truns I would have I think I only played with three four months of Truns uh, wouldn't have minded a full season with Truns I'm sure that would have been uh, fun tricks and games kind of thing yeah, he did all right for himself in the end. Yeah, yeah definitely. Too, yeah. Not too shabby. Uh, which is there, like any players uh, you think were massively underrated by the fans? Like where you lads knew how good they were, but maybe the fans never quite got on board with them. Whether they made it into the first team or were maybe fringe players. It's a difficult one, that, because I always thought as playing, you know, uh, we didn't really get that much stick, you know, unless we had a couple of, obviously, four or five defeats. But I felt all the fans were all usually quite good to us, to be fair. Uh, you know, the management team might have picked on a couple of, but they always knew that they'd come good in the end. But I can't really uh, pick out a couple of players that, no, not really, to be honest. I thought we all give a good account of ourselves, especially the season where I was obviously playing in. Yeah. Uh, Rooster, I think, may got a couple of stick, maybe, but Rooster was, he was just, if Rooster wasn't playing well, you would know because the team weren't doing as well. So as soon as Rooster was playing well, it was like the team was playing well because he was just like the life and soul of the team because of his bouncy energy. Yeah. Um, is there a, I guess it might be hard to pinpoint one, but is there like one favourite Wrexham match that stands out for you when you think of back to your days there? Birmingham, that, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the Birmingham game. But oh, to be fair, the, the year later, I think Carl Conley scored an hat-trick away at Chesterfield. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. That, put a couple of demons to bed for myself 
but no, that Birmingham game, yeah, that was really good. Middlesbrough was brilliant as well, but the Birmingham game, that was always, and Middlesbrough, but they're all FA Cup games, so, like, but, yeah, I'd definitely say the Birmingham game. I like that you put the Chesterfield in one in there, just like spiteful. That's what a lot of fans have that that mentality as well. Where yeah. we're just like, because it relegated them. I'm sure that relegated them um, pretty much. Um, mm, yeah, I so it's like, did, yeah. well, that's mm. that's a nice bit of kind of payback. It doesn't take away yeah. the FA Cup, but it's it's something. It's it's part way there. You uh, just grip onto anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when was the last when was the last time you were at the race course? Uh, to be fair, it was a. Price Griffiths' funeral. Right. Uh, so me, Carl, Gary, a uh, few of us went down there and obviously we we're outside and, you know, I thought that was the right thing to do because uh, he was brilliant back in the day then uh, for what he did for the club and everything else. So that was the last time and I got no complaints about going for that. It's uh, I want to get back obviously soon, but... Uh, you know, is what it is at the minute, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and any stories you can tell us about, I don't know, some of the nights out, some of the, the away trips, the Island Man, maybe, anything that can, to be fair, it's YouTube and it's a podcast, so we're not, nothing particularly filtered, but what you might want to say and what you might not want to say, it's down to you sort of thing. Any any just trips that stick out? Yeah, we went to, obviously, Island Man and Magaluf and a couple of places, but the one that sticks out for me is Bournemouth, to be fair. Uh, I think we won the Welsh Cup and then uh, I'm sure we were playing Wales in a friendly in a, in a build-up for one of their qualifiers. And we went to Bournemouth for about three or four days. And we were having a round of golf. Uh, I think it was on the third tee and we thought, sod this. So we rang a taxi and off we went to bargain booze kind of. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that was the rest, can't really remember much about the rest, but <laughs> I think that was there. Uh, for me, yeah, that was a that was a good time. The Bournemouth trip, the, the hazy Bournemouth trip that started nice and quietly yeah. with golf and <laughs> went off a cliff. I'm sure. Um, yeah. uh, just to get things wrapped up, Maka, uh, it's putting you on the spot. It's asking you a, a tough old question. Is he? Uh, yeah, is your all time Wrexham eleven of, of players you played with? You can put yourself in there if you want. You don't have to put yourself in there. Just your Wrexham eleven in your mind. I'm going to put myself in there because I don't think nobody else will. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I've had to think about this and it's probably it's almost as close to the team that I did like two to three years in and it was so difficult even then touch and go it's like formation players who you can get in strikers oh, it's a nightmare so I'd go Andy Marriott I'd put myself right back uh, Tony and Brian Tony and Brian Carey yeah. and Phil Hardy. That's the back four, pretty solid, I think. Uh, midfield, a bit lopsided, but I go Chalky. Me and Chalky had a great understanding down the right, and I think we enjoyed our, our years together. You'd put Yozza in there. I'd play, as I said, it's a bit lopsided, so I'd have Fergie, Darren Ferguson in there with Gareth Owen. Uh, and then you'd go Carl Conley, Gary Bennett up top. Not bad, not bad at all. That there's, yeah, there's a goal missing. You know, Neil Roberts, Wayne Phillips. Ah, uh, difficult, but you know, you'll be getting texts um, after this. You're all the lads will be hammering you. Let's send you messages. Like, <laughs> where was I in this one? As I said, I think I'll only be in this team, so I'm uh, I'm happy with that one. <laughs> I I doubt it. The, the plan is that as as and when we do everyone in these episodes. 
getting whoever to pick their 11. I'm sure I'm sure Mark McGregor makes an appearance or two at right back or centre half. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, no, uh, not, uh, not above them, too. I mean, Barry Hunter was uh, close as well, to be fair. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was, we, had, we had a good run of centre half, to be fair. Barry Hunter, Tull Humes, before as well, Mel as well, when Mel came in, Mel Pedrick, yeah. the centre back. Um, yeah, well, it wasn't a bad run, wasn't a bad knock. Um, I think it wasn't a bad few years you had at the town, Mark McGregor. What, six years? I think, well, I oh, in the I first team, obviously, quite, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's like a good eight years, yeah, and loved every minute of it. Yeah, really yeah. good. And I always say to whoever asks me now, where would you club with you? I'd always say Wrexham first time, like straight back there to them days, 96, 97, brilliant. Yeah. And any any closing thoughts for any Wrexham fans listening to this? Hopefully there are some. Well, hopefully after uh, the 4-0 win last night, uh, they should be, pick the tails up a bit. Uh, so, you know, we've got to crack on and it's got to change eventually. The, you know, we can't st- still stay in the, uh, the National League for that long. And once you get one, have you seen so many times where the conference teams come up and then they go through the league two as well? You know, it's it could it snowballs, and especially with what's happening behind the scenes now, it's promising and things to look up up to, really. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree on that one. Um, I could thank you so much for giving up so much time to come and join us on the very first episode of the the Wrexham Legends Lounge podcast. That's going to be a proper tongue tie <laughs> to get used to. Um, as in association, as sponsored by Hill Street Social. Um, next time we do this, it'll probably, hopefully, be in Hill Street Social with a pint in person. Beautiful. That would you know, taste extremely nice. It will, hopefully on the house, uh, if Rich Watkins yeah. listens to this. <laughs> uh, Macca, cheers. And thanks everybody for tuning in. If you like this, uh, be sure to subscribe on all the podcast uh, apps that you have. Be sure to like and comment and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching it on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll hopefully have one of these next week again or the week after. It's all very loosey-goosey at the moment. Um, but thanks again. And thanks again to Mark McGregor. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. Action. 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 Action.